yeah, I don't know if you yeah, noticed, yeah. but in the second half of the la- of the last episode, our, our our tracks were slightly out of sync. Yeah, guys, that's the issue with the this tool. I mean, I realized that, and I was, do I want to go and re-edit the second half right. and have to like, and you know, it's like a it's a drift, you know, so it's a little bit more and a little bit more and, and you a little can't, bit more. You, yeah, I remember having to do that with yeah, uh, me too, like on our nation. First two seasons of layovers, seasons. Did we have seasons? First two years of layovers. I had to do this, and this time I didn't want. So sorry, guys. Um, uh, yeah, uh, this was a little drift, and it could happen this time again. It's uh, it's either the tool or one of our broadband. Usually, it should be working fine, but I'm sure you're all smart enough to have realized that. Uh, the small, it's not because one of us, I don't remember who was drifting more. Uh, it's not because one of us is not intelligent, didn't laugh at the joke of the other. It's just because it was a drift. <laughs> I think it was also, it was almost like one of us was predicting what the other one would say and re- <laughs> react. Probably you, actually. You're the smarter. Of, of <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> oh, How are you, dear. buddy? Yeah, yeah, good. What a, what a day. What a day all around. Oh, my God, mother, what a week, actually. So, guys, we were supposed to record... Yesterday, we would have been live when uh, Boris Johnson <laughs> was <laughs> basically getting the F out. I mean, he's not. He's clinging. He, I mean, he is, but he's not. We don't know. Anyway, this is not a show about politics, but of course, we live in the UK, so <laughs> we've been having a... I was about to ask you yesterday if we... Yesterday, it would have been the Thursday, so today we're the 8th of July. I, I was about to ask you if you had resigned from government because there was so many resignations. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you, that. are you... Are you actually putting your name up for to be to become our next prime minister? Uh, well, Greg and I have decided that it's going to be determined by a Willy Wonka-esque golden ticket that will be available in packets of crisps, <laughs> Monster Munch, pickled onion flavor only. And if you're the lucky winner, then you get to be prime minister. You guys, all of you can do that. Um, you can uh, all participate, all the audience here. Um, you, these guys, man, the, the audience has been... I don't know where we're going with this episode. Let me play the usual little sound. Uh, the I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. Yeah, we need a lot of good luck today. Uh, I don't know where I'm going. We don't know where we're going with this episode because, so f- first of all, we were supposed to record yesterday. We both had issues. I mean, you ended up not having a goddamn version, as you said. We were supposed to have ver- issues with our um, broadband because of engineers working on my fiber line uh, because the subcontractor that put the line... Didn't put it where it's supposed to be, so the the whole schematics of my line is wrong. So they are tracing it by hand. <laughs> so I told them today, do not come before two p.m. So it's twelve. So we have two hours to um, to record to basically interrupt my line and trace. And you, we were supposed also to have engineer work on your Virgin line. So that's why we ended up not recording. But thank you so much for finding the time because you know you are about to leave to the U.S. So it's a uh, yeah, kind about of to about to leave on Monday. On Monday, managed well, to avoid the strikes and the cancellations exactly. so far. That's what I was about where to go to. So I, I had this plan in my head in the end of the last episode. I'm going to talk about Pakistan and my trip and everything. To be honest, I don't think I will. Let's let's see where we go with this episode because I will need a, a, a good chunk of time. But the chaos, uh, it's the 70s, basically. We have strikes, we have inflation, there's a war, uh, there's political assassination. I mean, we're very sorry to hear about the death yeah, of uh, Abe this, uh, this morning. Actually, I woke up... Uh, completely by coincidence at uh, 4.30 a.m. Uh, probably my cat was waking me up, but I didn't realize. 
And I was like, I couldn't fall back asleep. And that's the first thing I saw just at the moment it happened. Uh, well, uh, so yeah, it's not fun. So we're recording uh, actually to the 8th of July, 1970. Guys, this is, uh, we're back in time. Yes. And yeah, so we had a, a lot of, lot of, lot. I mean, in, uh, I think every single one of our audience members, hi guys, has been uh, experiencing chaos and delays and cancellations and crazy stories. I have received, and I probably missed so many because again, we're receiving so many, Only stories about that. So I think there's no other way to start this show than to talk about chaos. And also because, uh, and we'll get to that after I play the song for Gen Can I, uh, it's also because we sent our special envoy, Alex Hunter, to actually experiment the world of chaos. He's shaking his head. <laughs> I was privy to what happened to him last week, and I think we cannot not just start uh, with that. So let's play the, the music. So Gen, Gen actually uh, sent us a message. Thank you for always playing the intro music. Again, you're a forever part of our show now, so here's the music again for you. <laughs> <laughs> And guys, if you don't know Gen Kanai, you should. He's an amazing guy. One of my good friends. Used to live in Japan, China. Is he? I think he's Japan again. I'm not sure again where you are in the world. So, Alex, let's start directly with that. The travel investigator of chaos in the 70s. What happened to you? <laughs> Man. I... I well, let, I'm going to preface it by saying this was the single worst experience in terms of disruption and service that I've ever experienced, which is, you know, I'm reasonably well-traveled, so it's, yeah. it's quite a statement. So we, Megan and I went to Valencia after uh, doing some work in Madrid, and I just fell in love with that place almost immediately. And it's the first place I've ever been to where I've said, I must come back here and film an episode like right immediately because yeah, it's either it, this is, it would make a great episode. And so I got in touch with Greg and very quickly we carved out some dates just two weeks later. It was helpful because I was able to have it fresh in my memory. Greg was going to go ahead of time because our dates didn't sync up quite enough for us to spend the entire trip together like we usually do. But I was able to give him a bunch of Google Maps references saying, go here and film, go here and film. This is beautiful. Go around this corner when you need a beer, market, go here, here, and here. The market, yeah, the market. It's just such a picturesque, yeah. film-ready city. And I knew he would be able to, to bring it to life. Um, and places I knew I wanted to capture and speak about when I got there. So... He went on Wednesday, uh, uh, on the Wednesday morning, very early on BA, no problems, no disruption, smooth sailing on calm seas. And so I was to join... directly from Australia to Valencia, right? <laughs> oh man, I, you know, I want him to record a little soundbite or WhatsApp message because that was the first thing when I eventually got to, the, to Valencia uh, and we'd had a bro hug and we're having a cup of coffee and I was like, okay, tell me everything about that trip and of course it was fascinating and wow. uh from a non-av geek perspective to hear it as well and then yeah. for me to filter it through that whole thing so maybe i'll ask him to do that because it was really interesting yeah or we should invite him once in one of these days yeah yeah he's a, he's a he's a busy man these days but i know that he would give us five minutes of his very valuable time uh and and we've done this before where i've arrived a little bit later or arrived a little bit uh, soon, uh sooner than him and, and recorded episodes 
works fine. We have it down to an art. This is our 49th city guide. I had opted to take a whaling flight from Gatwick on the Thursday via Barcelona because that was really the only available routing. I was about to say, are you sure whaling? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did tell me that. You yeah. did tell me that. You said, I can't remember specifically what you said, but it was basically in your typically polite <laughs> diplomatic manner. You're doomed. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it was. I ha I think you said something very, again, like polite. You said something like, I've never it really had a great experience with them. Yeah, it was very, it was very diplomatic and neutral, but I thought, okay, well, how, how bad can it be? Oh boy. So I, <laughs> the flight was uh, at 1255 on the Thursday and I was due to get into Valencia via Barcelona at about six in the evening and Greg and I would have been able to do a little bit of filming, have dinner, crush the next day of filming and, and he, he was due to fly back and who actually were both due to fly back Friday night. So more than enough time to capture a small city with him having done already a day's worth, days a day and a half worth of B-roll. I wasn't sure what to expect when I arrived at the South Terminal at Gatwick. But I was not expecting a refugee processing center. <laughs> so and I mean that in a very specific way, in that it was chaos. It was dilapidated. It was loud. Wow. I had um, I, I had purchased a whaling ticket that included priority uh, security and a few other things like oh, nice. uh, where you. I think it comes with a certain either fare that then allows you to pick the seat for free, which you would otherwise have to pay for, okay. and things like uh, priority check-in and fast-track security at. Because I have no, there's no status, even though they're fully owned by IAG. Yeah, but I think they're a separate operation. They're to the separate, point, I think that separate. There, there were some stories, maybe guys, you can illuminate us, that if you were to fly on Vueling, even though you were booked Iberia, there are sometimes the points were not counting and stuff like that. It's not, yeah. It's yes. A, it's a bit and, of a And there's strange. no reciprocity on status or anything like that. So, and I, and I think I knew that going in, which is why I purchased that particular fare. When I got to the South Terminal, for those of you that, that can picture the, the entrance to security in the, in the South Terminal, right next to it is the is the the premium i think they call it security line not only was the security line all of the way out of the tensic barriers they have inside of security it was all the way out through to the check-in areas Damn. times 4 what? There were four separate sets of queues because if they didn't, they would have the queue would have wrapped around the terminal or outside. I mean, I think many of you will have seen some footage from the news recently. Uh, yeah, if you're in the UK, I get wicked. It's, it's, yeah, I get wicked. Manchester, Belfast, yeah. I think, has also experienced this. And I looked, and because you couldn't tell where the premium queue was, and all these other four queues. It was very confusing. People were generally pretty chill, all things considered, because I think they'd been expecting this yeah. ridiculousness. Yeah, it's in the it's front page of the news yeah. pretty much and every it's, day. It's it's everywhere. It's there's it's not just Gatwick. It's not just Heathrow. It's it's not basically just every UK. airport. It's Europe. I mean, again, we'll yeah. talk about it afterwards. But 
the, 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 the listeners, thank you by, for all this. It's like Europe, North North America, mostly. I haven't received a lot in Asia or Africa or Latin America, but North, North America, America for sure, bad, um, and, sure and, we'll, and Europe for sure. We'll talk about it. The The line for the premium was maybe six or seven people deep. They They made the mistake, in my opinion, of selling premium access at the same time as they were checking whether you had a valid pass to go in. So there were people who were queuing who had, like me, the little thin notch on their Apple wallet boarding pass that said that you had access to Fast Track. Who would they just glance at it and send you through? And then there are other people who wanted to pay. That takes boarding pass validation, payment processing. Seemed a oh, bit silly so, oh, given the circumstances to just say, we're not selling right now. You either have to go online and book it and come back or just get in the queue. Once through, though, it I only had maybe two or three people in front of me. I We've talked about this in the past, but in the normal times, security at Gatwick South is very efficient. They have... It is. They, they queue people up at individual points on the security belt. Um, so you've got people waiting, the the, tr uh, the trays come automatically, they come quickly, they're taken from you quickly, there's multiple points at which you can deposit your things onto the belt. Yeah, and I didn't have to wait very long um, to, get, to get through, and, and that was fine. Once you're through to the other side with everybody else, chaos. Chaos. <laughs> and you go down through, again, for those of you that remember... Um, Gatwick South Terminal. You go down through the duty free like every airport. Seems I will to be say, place. sorry to interrupt, because I've used that when I was going to Bastia, which actually mm. I could tell the story later. I don't know, and it seems to me that, or maybe it's just because I have a bad memory, that that duty free section is longer than it used to be. There's like two more corners. It feels that before before you you know you splashed out into that very big uh, departure area. Atrium, yeah. I think it's bigger, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone who works at Get we can no, tell. But I it, think yeah. You, so that was I, think I guess you might be up. right because you do come out and you 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 wander through and it's people are coming back. It's 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 just chaotic, and then you're out into this the the main atrium area that you just referenced, and it was like nothing I had ever seen. And I'm not using the refugee processing center in any kind of disparaging way. It just had that things were boarded up. There were people lying everywhere because their flights had been canceled or delayed. I would say that three quarters of the eateries were closed either temporarily or permanently. Oh, wow. And those that were open had queues of maybe a hundred people. Oh, yeah, actually, I do remember. But, you know, but because there was less people when I went to Bastia, actually, uh, I didn't. It didn't click because there were not so many queues. I didn't really realize the ones that were closed, but holy, oh, wow. Yeah, so the McDonald's that was just, yeah, 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 just yeah, churned yeah. people through quickly and, you know, boarded up. Um, wow. The Pret that's right next to it on the on the top part, I mean, there must have been a hundred and something people in the queue wow. to try and, and get out. The restaurants, the, the kind of fast casual restaurants, sports bar type places had yeah, waiting times of an hour and a half. They had the Weatherspoons. There's another one, I think, Grain something. Yeah. The waiting lists were an hour and a half. There are four lounges. There are four lounges in the South Terminal. Yeah. All but one of them was closed. The number one was open or which one? The number one was open, but... And I was like, brilliant, I can get in there with my, my priority pass. There was a sign at the entrance saying, we have reached our maximum capacity. We are only taking pre-booked reservations. 
please scan this QR code to join the queue. And they use this app called WalkUp, which I've used at restaurants. Oh, so a virtual queue. Virtual queue, which is a very sensible way of doing it. And so I was like, you know what, that's fine. I'll try try that and just jump in the queue. I was 39th in the queue. uh, And just to kind of tie off that thread, I got the text message that I has breached the front of the queue and it could go into the lounge three hours after my flight was supposed to leave. <laughs> so useless. Oh my um, God. I guess they I, don't have a limit of three hours per person then like uh, you mentioned I, last time. I guess not. I actually don't know how they were doing check-ins. and I mean, they do check-ins, but I don't know if they were doing check-outs. I think it was just a visual thing, but they, they were very polite about it. Of course. I went to, to the BA lounge to see if I could get in somehow. And the woman was again very polite and said, "If it's, a, if you booked on BA and the flight is operated by Whaling, yes." And so she scanned my boarding pass and she's like, "I'm really sorry, but this ticket is." I was like, "Oh no, it's fine. I don't, whatever." Fair enough. Yeah. So I think I went and found myself a cheese sandwich at W. H. Smith and just sat down and and ate it. And eventually, the gate was called for my Barcelona flight, which was. On yeah, that because long, we need to mention that you were not flying direct. No, no, I wasn't flying. To, there was no availability because BA had canceled the flights for that day. Obviously, they'd operated them the day before because Greg went on him, bastard. <laughs> uh, so I had to find this routing via via Barcelona, and it was fine. It was going to get me in at a reasonable time, no problem. <clears throat> so I went down to the gate, which was on that long pier. Yeah, uh, I think it's like one through. Or 10 through 20, I think the gates yeah, exactly. are. exactly, yeah, yeah. And there was the airplane, and they were basically scanning people into the boarding areas like they do at Gatwick. You go into this sort of holding pen. And I hadn't, I think I was maybe the fourth or fifth person there. And it, I had sat down, and no more than two or three minutes later, they said, okay, just go on board, which is fine. Uh, it was great, actually. I had seat 1F. Aye. So I was at the bulkhead. And there was a gentleman sat in 2F when I boarded and maybe seven or eight other people on the plane well, by the time I got on. And then, then they stopped boarding all of a sudden. There were people coming up to the aircraft door and the, I believe the flight attendant said, you need to stop there. And I was like, that's Weird. Okay. At that moment, the guy behind me goes, uh, that's weird. And looks at, and we both look out the window and there's a fire crew racing up to the side of the airplane. Oh my God. Full fire truck. And then like a fire SUV, two or three Gatwick operations service vehicles. And I, I turned to this guy behind me and I was like, that's to what do, that's not a good sign. They didn't look particularly like, you know, they didn't come out with hoses, but it did. Yeah. It was a bit, bit worrying. And I thought, okay, well, then maybe that's why they've stopped. And there were, there were three or four people looking up at the bottom of the wing with the fuel truck. And that's when I, was, I started to think, mm, I don't know if we should be on this plane right now. <laughs> because they tried... <laughs> They tried to connect the fuel hose to the wing and then turn it on and jet fuel went everywhere. <laughs> like oh it just sort of 
fountained all over the tarmac. And so then what they had to do was make sure that it was safe. No, I mean, jet fuel is very hard to ignite. Yeah, of course, but still. Um, but still, so they moved everything away. Then they have to do a, a full cleanup. You know, when you're at a gas station or a petrol station, somebody's done it, they use like basically cat litter, really, because it just yeah, sucks exactly, it all up. Yeah. But you can't leave it there because it'll go into the engine once the engine turns yes. on. So they bring over a street sweeper oh. <laughs> to, to, like, uh, to, to sweep it all up. And, and, and here I thought that Welling was not providing IFE, actually. That's entertainment. Well, that's exactly what I said to the guy behind me. I'm like, this is Ironsland Entertainment. And we're, we're waiting, and their passengers have been sent, the passengers that were queuing on the jet bridge have been sent back to the gate. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to, to, to bring the, uh, to get the fuel nozzle connected safely. They try, and there's people like scraping things out of the, This, the connector valve on the wing. And I thought, if they break the that... The MacGyver song starts at that point. Yeah, like I was like duct tape and Velcro and Silly Putty and all of that. And the captain is doing a good job of trying to tell us. He's going down to the tarmac and looking and talking to the to the fuelers and the operations people. Because obviously he wants to know that he's going to be able to make a safe t- choice about whether this plane can operate. Eventually, they try a new fuel truck and it looks like they've been... Uh, reasonably successful, but they can't spare the fuel truck because it's got to go and fuel other airplanes and nobody's on board the airplane yet. So the guy comes up, the the, the ops manager for Whaling comes up and said, okay, Captain, I think we've got this sorted out. We can start boarding again. And then one of the people that was trying to fix the fuel situation comes up and goes, yeah, we've, we've solved it, but did you know that you've got a slide deployed on the left side of the airplane? What? <laughs> <laughs> and you could see the captain go, yeah, we just got the alert on the flight deck, too. Oh, and so at that point, they said, okay, guys, you need to you need to get off. And there really was only 10 of us on board at this point. Yeah. And so we all get off. But did you hear the slide go off? No, that's the crazy thing. I don't even think I would know what it would sound like because the yeah. door wasn't open. It had just deployed from the from the, the they come out from just underneath the the, yeah, the, the door, door itself. Yeah. But was it? And do you think was it an accidental release? Or something? It was an accidental release, and they think it's that somebody had knocked it. But that's not an easy thing to to fix. It's fifteen thousand dollars of deployment, and it and it takes time. So they said, "All right, everybody, get off." And this is where it started to get. <laughs> a little bit ridiculous because I'm of course thinking at this point, I only have an hour and 10 minute connection in Barcelona and we should have, we should have taken off 20 minutes ago. So, and I'm already looking at how am I going to get down to Valencia? We get off and they t- put us back in the pen. And by that point it's rammed full of people. It's got 145 people. The flight was completely full. And Voiling don't Voiling is a contractor at Gatwick, mm-hmm. so there's no Voiling uh, staff, and the people that were assigned to this flight were the rudest, uh, most unhelpful people I have ever come across oh. in oh. in my life in this in this arena. Oh. They didn't tell anybody anything. They said that they you know they needed to fix the airplane. People had like me had connections. The guy who was sitting behind me was was uh, trying to get to Barcelona uh, for just for a meeting. And eventually they said after maybe 45 
minutes to an hour in the pen, you have to go back to the main concourse now because we don't know how long this is going to take to fix. And people had been coming in and out and they would take your passport from you because they'd already scanned you onto the flight. So to go out and use the restroom or to oh. get a sandwich from a vending machine, you had to surrender your passport and boarding. Oh yeah, it happened pass. to me once in Warsaw, I think. I remember because you're you already checked in, like fully checked in. So you're yeah. not supposed you to are, leave. You are yeah. boarded in the eyes. Yeah, of the boarded. Airline. Yeah, sorry, boarded, not checked in. Yeah, wow. Ooh. And, you know, there were young families. There was a, an Australian couple with a three-year-old and an 18-month-old, and I'll come back to them because they feature through this <laughs> this sad story. Uh, and we all just sort of groan and thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm not getting on my, my flight to, from Barcelona to Valencia. So go out to the, to the main concourse, and they said, okay, we'll be in touch. And again, this is after about an hour of not really getting any answers. So we go out at, back into this concourse, which is devoid of any members of staff from any airline. There's a there's a bank of chick ticketing desks on the bottom floor, mm -hmm. unmanned. Not mm -hmm. a soul there, so no information was coming. This guy that sat behind me, his name's Dan Dan Garrett. Dan, if Dan I Garrett. pronounced your name incorrectly, yeah, me. yeah. Thank you, man, because he's also been. I mean, you'll tell the story, but he's been interacting with us on Twitter. It's so, at so Dan Garrett. There was maybe like Twitter. four or five of us. We'd all started to bond over this already absurd situation we had collectively found ourselves in. There was maybe seven or eight of us who who were uh, you know in the same situation and sat near each other and just started talking. He He's on his phone trying to figure out his situation. He's got expert flyer up. And I was uh -huh. like, oh, a fellow nerd. Like, expert <laughs> flyer is great. And so we start talking. Turns out that he's a listener of Layover. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I said, oh, I've, you know, this is fun for me because I have an aviation podcast and this is like a whole episode. And he's like, oh, I, I listen. Which one are you? And I said, oh, it's called Layovers. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we start trading stories and I'm, I, I booked a train from Barcelona down to Valencia at like oh. 845 at night as a backup plan yeah, because yeah. there was no flights. Uh, I, I started looking at that. I know relatively what I'm doing. Yeah. I know all of the, the, the realities of the situation. I know how to make plan A and plan B and plan C. That's always been the case for us, even before this issue. When we had a disruption, we, yeah, we kind of seasoned. I don't know if that's the right term. but No, you're, you're right. And we can also read the room and yeah. go, this isn't going to, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember asking you actually when, because Alex has been, I don't know all the details, but he's been sending me a picture of the slide <laughs> on the side of the aircraft. And I was like, so, so what now? What do they do? Do they, do they wrap it up inside the plane? Do they actually cut it off and leave it on the ground, the apron? Do they replace it? Because all the solutions there, none of them is rapid. And I'm not yeah. even sure if what is actually possible to do. I mean, you'll, you'll probably explain, but... Well, no, you're right. I think... I don't know. That was, that was the questions that... Because we all went and looked at the deployed slide after we were told to leave the, the boarding area. Because... You don't see that every day. And we watched them while in, in for the hour that while we were in the pen, futzing for a little bit with the fuel thing, but no one was really doing anything. There was a set of stairs deployed. Okay. So while we're all back on the main concourse, there are, there's a guy that was, uh, he worked at a hospital in Orlando. 
Yeah. He was trying to get to Mallorca for a friend's wedding. Oh. He had got up at four o'clock that morning, gone to the gym, worked a shift at the hospital until 2.30 in the afternoon, oh, then gone to Orlando, taken the BA flight to Gatwick, the red eye, and now was trying to go to Barcelona to then on to Mallorca. My, oh, poor guy. Yeah, and then this Australian family who were unbelievably chipper. The kids were f- fantastic. I just admired them so much. And a few other people who were trying to plan their next moves. Dan and I knew what our options were. We knew how to, we could plan things. We made sure we booked in the right fare buckets to make sure that it was fully cancelable if we, if we didn't um, end up needing to take the flight. And arguably, even though that, that wasn't a solution for you at that point, You have status on some airlines because you can also help sometimes getting fast track solutions to some stuff, right? Yes, exactly. And we were all trying to help each other um, because Google Flights, uh, you know, tends to have a little bit of a delay on inventory. Mm -hmm. So they were looking at flights to these places they were trying to go to um, from other terminals or other airports. And even this chap from Orlando was like, how easy would it be for me to get to, to Lutton? Luton. Oh, wow. And I was like, the other side of Dan the and I just man. kind of sh- shook our heads. like, not going to happen, man. Yeah. We're, we're kind of in the middle of nowhere here. But, but no one knew. So we were sitting checking um, expert flyer and going straight to websites and going, look, there's a flight here that you might be able to take. And then, of course, none of them knew about EU-261 either. Yeah. They don't so, advertise it any, here anymore because they're not in the EU. The law is still in place. The law and is the law would be in place anyway because you're flying to or from the EU. But yeah. there's no more, I think, maybe I'm wrong and maybe somebody will, will tell me wrong, but I think they don't have to advertise it on the, you know, the desks and everything. They used to have, I mean, if you go to Europe, there's a mandate, you know, they have to yeah. tell you your rights. Uh, either they, they flash it on the big screen or they have like leaflets or like a, some poster, but they, I don't think they do it anymore in the UK. No, they, they, so we were trying to tell the, especially folks from out of town, this Australian couple, and they were, they're like, well, this is going to pay for like most of our trip. It's because we're all looking, waiting for it to hit the three hour mark when that, when that <laughs> compensation kicks in and saying, look, keep, keep your receipts, keep, uh, you know, yeah, everything. keep everything because they, it's the law. And then eventually we found a stack of brochures, which outlined the EU 261 and okay. websites. And so they were all, like, oh, okay, so well, great. Okay. Meanwhile, we have no information. <laughs> Nothing. The, the, all of the all the board shows is that uh, our flight has closed. All the app shows is that the flight has closed and it's on time. We asked a Gatwick empl- employee who was very sympathetic to our situation, but said, you know, c- came back to us maybe once every forty five minutes, saying I can't find anybody. Eventually, I said, you know what, guys, stay here. I'm going to walk back down to the gate and see what this what the status is. So I walk down to the gate and the slide is no longer there. I don't know okay. where it is, whether it's been... Somebody s- could with a pair of scissors and yeah, just like I mean, snatched probably. it. probably. Well, actually, that is what happened. Oh. <laughs> that is essentially what happened. And there's people milling around, maybe 25, 30 people from our flight. They won't let them into the, into the pan area. There's foiling people. And as I was about to go back and tell everybody... You know, hey, I think there's movement. And this is probably two and a half hours 
after we were all removed from the flight. Um, they started to come back, these people that I'd been hanging out with in the departure area. And I was like, oh, you guys have come back. Have they said anything? And they said no, but we just felt like it came back. And of course, then maybe 15 minutes later, they said, this is where it gets weird. They said, and this really surly, unfriendly, rude man came out and said, okay, listen up, everybody trying to get to Barcelona. Anybody in rows 14 to 20 and I think 28 to 36. Yeah, of course. Go over to this next next gate. And of course, you know, he's just shouting over the din of Gatwick departures. So no one can hear him. Eventually, they say that we cannot yeah. accommodate a full flight because we have an emergency exit that is no longer usable. Exactly. So there's X number of people. You need X number of emergency exits per, you know, per per uh, X number of people. Yeah. And they obviously weren't able to do that. Only a few of us heard that part of the announcement. The people that had been shunted over to this other gate did not know what was about to be told to them, which is, oh. you're not going on this flight. Yeah, basically, yeah. You're not leaving. And that's not a small amount of people if you think about the, you know, the amount of rows that I've just described. The rest of us go through into the holding area. Uh, I remember, uh, sorry to interrupt, I remember that at that point when you were, because again, Alex was live telling me all this stuff. Uh, at that point, you didn't know because they were like, yeah, they, they put some people aside, but which group would be actually chosen to fly? You know, because at some point there was like, maybe actually it's the other group that will leave. And yeah, we, are we the were, we were chosen, not the chosen ones. <laughs> we were taking bets on whether we were not, the, we were the lucky ones or the unlucky ones. And because they had put us into the gate that the plane was attached to, we were yeah. a little bit more optimistic. Of, of course, yeah. But we also thought, some people were saying, I don't know if I want to fly on this airplane, if it's got a fuel issue, a deployed slide. And we thought, because they had initially said, it won't be a massive delay because we have a small base at Gatwick. It won't be that difficult to find another airplane. And we thought those people in the other gate, they're getting a new plane and they're going to yeah. probably go before us. Yeah. Lucky me. Yeah. Eventually, they put us back on the airplane. And I'm looking at my options going, I think maybe I can make this, uh, I can make that, that train down. And, and then after a while, I was like, no, I'm not. Megan managed to find me a hotel in Barcelona right next to the station, which I could take a really early train the next morning, get down to Valencia in time to, to at least have a day's worth of filming. But that, I'd, I'd basically written off the rest of the day. Yeah. I thought, I'll just stay in you Barcelona. You didn't know at that point if you could fly or not with that one. No, I, at that point, we had creeped up, and I thought, by the time I get through immigration in Barcelona, yeah, get across yeah. town to the train station, it's going to be past 8.40 p.m. when that train left. So I just said, Oh, yeah, no, no. I meant I meant you didn't know if you were able to fly at all or not, so if that no, I, fly. No, and we were on the plane, so I thought, okay, at least oh. we're going somewhere now. Oh, okay. So they, so they boarded us. We all sat down in our original seats. Good. Minus the however many people that weren't. And when the music stops, people were not seated or not in the flight. <laughs> yeah. And we all get settled and everything like that. And then the captain comes out and says, I'm really sorry, everybody, but you all need to get off again. <laughs> because we've, we've maxed out our crew hours. 
Ah, oh, of course. And he, the oh. poor captain, just looked. He's shivered. Fried. He just looked so done with it. Like, are you kidding me right now? And it was interesting to watch the way people reacted. Some people, there was a gentleman in one C who was just a turbo douche. And <laughs> he was the only person in the universe. He was what, what do they call it? Main character syndrome. Yeah. And was rude and oh. like, it's not going to solve anything. Yeah, the exactly. Captain is, 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 he can't do anything about and it. And a lot of it here is not to the fault of. No, not, know, I mean. Anyone. It was bad, and so you know, we we got off the plane, and Dan made a point of saying to the captain, "It's really not a problem. I hope you can get some. I hope you can get home." Yeah. Uh, and and we all went back into the into the pen, and that's where tempers were starting to fray because there was no information. The same guy was there, just being incredibly rude, and and, and impatient, and I mean, rude to the point of being combative. Oh. Uh, and they said they're going to fly down a new crew to fly you to Barcelona. The crew will be coming from Barcelona. And I'm looking at my watch going, well, that's two and a bit hours at least Yeah, to fly the crew in. And by that point, I just, I, I, I said to the, to the guys who were all in the best friends at this point, <laughs> I, I give up. And I, guys, I, I can't, and this isn't good. This doesn't make any sense for me. I can't get there. If by the time I do get there, I'm not going to have much time to sleep. And then to get this early train, I'm going to book a hotel in Gatwick. And then I'm going to book myself on the early morning, easy jet flight the next day. The one, the, the uh, four or something, the five. It was a 6am direct 6 Valencia. Yeah. And they said, yeah, and I would completely understand. Meanwhile, to get airside, Because I'd looked at flights when we were all back in departures. I'm like, oh, there's an EasyJet flight. I couldn't find anybody to escort me oh. landside. Yeah. God. That, so even just... if I, I mean, there was a flight to Barcelona and a flight to Valencia that were going from the uh, from the north terminal on EasyJet. Well, you need to go there. I couldn't get out of the airside in the south terminal. Oh, my and so to get all of us that had opted not to hang around, they said, if you want to leave, they put us in with the people in those doomed rows in the, in the gate next. And they had just told them, you are going nowhere tonight. Go back to check-in. Go all the way back through immigration and to check-in and go to zone C. Okay, well, what do, these people who didn't really know what to do, what do we do when we get there? They'll figure it out. Just go to zone C. Yeah, it's always like somebody else's problem. Somebody else's problem. And they weren't. They didn't know where to go. These poor people were really confused because you're dumped out in a very strange part of the airport to try and get to immigration. So I just said, you know, follow me. I'll show you. I pointed them in the right direction. I'll pause there for a second because I eventually made it to, to Valencia on EasyJet the next morning, 6.20 a.m., brand new Neo. It left on time. It got me there on time. We filmed the episode. No problems. It was great. Well done, EasyJet. Meanwhile, Dan had opted to stick around. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> And I was getting these text messages from Whaling saying, we're really sorry. He, we've put seven pounds on your boarding pass for food seven? and drink. Seven? Have you been to an airport lately? Yeah, I mean, seven. What do you get for seven? You 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 get a 
not a lot, not a lot. No. And my the hotel I stayed in was the only one in the anywhere near Gatwick. I got one of the last rooms at the Block Hotel, which is in inside the terminal. Oh, I've never been to. Okay, yeah. it's one of those capsule type deals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No windows or anything like that. And it was like it was two hundred and seventy pounds. Ooh, yeah, wow. Because there wow. was no other inventory uh, wow. as well, so obviously kept my receipt no, I mean, for yeah. that. Uh, Dan eventually got to Barcelona at 3 a.m. With Vueling. With Vueling on that airplane. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he... That would have been what? What time were you supposed to leave? 12.55. So the the flight was 12 hours late. Oh, dear God. Eventually. So they flew flew somebody down... um, or our full crew down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they were apparently continued to be unbelievably bad and rude. And and not not voiling in flight. From what I gather, they were they were pretty they were fine. But they they didn't leave until midnight. Then they kicked people off again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Do you just, think it's because they didn't have enough crew? Because there's also a number of crew per passenger ratio, whatever. I, I, I really maybe do they think only that's flew, the you case. know, maybe they only flew like a a, a set of a pilot and maybe one or two flight attendants. That limits the number of people that can, because you know the assistance again for emergency purposes. I think there's a there's I come to that because there's of, a story about that on EasyJet. But yeah, I don't. It know. was wow. It was so bad. And imagine and having to wait like 12 hours plus and then being told you think you're being because you've been told that you're basically going to fly because they're getting you a crew for you. And oh, well, actually, you know what? Yeah, sorry, you're not on this one. Go yeah. to the other gate and wait for the, another fortnight. <laughs> 12 hour delays. And God. they were, they, those poor young families were just said after the 12 hours, oh, wait, no, you can't. You can't come. No, that's not fair. It, it was, uh, you know, Dan seemed like a pretty mellow guy, but, you know, he on Twitter said it was the most disgusting treatment he'd ever had. Um, and that, his, you know, it just, I, you know, I felt at one point that we were we were being pranked. Yeah, I was uh, telling you, is there like, is it, what's the name of the show? In the, how do you call it in the UK? The Candid Camera, whatever. Yeah. Uh, because it was like, this is, again, you were telling me, oh, the crew, that, and then do the slide. And I was like, really? Are you sure you're not being pranked? Because it's like... Uh, like dominoes of like silliness, but I mean, wow! It was unbelievable, and and he he referred to us as being abandoned, and we really, really were. We were just left to our own devices, and and they didn't make any announcements in the terminal because they said no one can hear them anyway, so there's no point. It was it was farcical, uh, and I don't want to take up any more of the show with this. No, go ahead. I mean, this is the show for this. We'll talk about chaos most of the time, but yeah, it's. it's I just, just... I, I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. I mean, I've, I've been kicked off flights multiple times when I've been standby, when I've been staff. Oh, okay, and, that's different. You know, the, even then, I still think about it, and, it, and it was like I was ten years old. This was unprecedented. It was so badly handled badly managed apparently and it's been interesting because we've all kind of we're well, not all but a lot of us have connected on twitter and linkedin of course and seeing even just searching for like gatwick or railing on twitter on the day you could see people who were on our flight saying you know getting auto responders and saying they weren't able to get through and they were sent links to 
to, to forms for compensation that were broken or didn't address things. It, it, and then, you know, pulling back a little bit and just looking at boiling in general, they seem to have some serious operational issues around punctuality, uh, dispatch reliability and baggage. If, if Twitter's anything to go by. So it, 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 it was a, a nightmarish experience. It, I, in the end, I mean, I never lost my temper. No, but you're not someone like that because, and you were not insulted either, or even though the guy was combative, probably, you know. I knew that bitching about it wasn't yeah, going to fix no. the airplane. And also yeah. for me, you know, I'm, I put my layovers hat on straight away. <laughs> Once I had made the plans to, 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 you know, I kept, I didn't want Greg to be waiting around going, where the hell is this guy? So I, I'd made my plans B, C, and D. I knew I was going to get there eventually, and we would be able to just have to work just a little bit harder than we already do. But for the people who who needed to be where they get they were where they were going, or the people who didn't know what was happening, or were now afraid to fly on the airplane, or didn't know that they were going to get all their money back, you you could understand why people's tempers were fraying. Yeah, you could understand why people were starting to cry, that they were going to miss something significant. Yeah, the wedding or whatever, like you said. No, but, and it's the lack of, I mean, it's of course now because of the chaos, but the lack of information has always been the most frustrating thing ever. And we know, I know I'm going to take a little bit of a, it's a, I'm exaggerating on purpose, but we know that a lot of low-cost airlines, when they work, they work. When the operation works, works. And when it falls apart for any reason, delay, crew change, whatever, it can fall apart very quickly. And more often than not, you hear, yeah, but we didn't get any information. At least yeah. get something on the app. But nowadays, it seems because that's a story I've heard, not yours, because it's really science fiction, but of being people being abandoned on their own devices and without having any kind of idea what yeah. they should do. Should they wait? Should they get out of the airport? Like you just said, how do I get out of the airport? Because some airports you cannot, it's not like there's so many airports in the world, but you know, our arrivals and, and departures are next to each other and you basically exit and that's it. Yeah. Uh, if you've never been to like Gatwick or others, there's a few like, if you want to get out, it's not like just straightforward. You no. cannot get out on your own. It's, you cannot get out on your own. You've got to be, so. you've got to be escorted. And I think that that, that's the lesson that these airlines have got to take away from the last, well, however long this is going to last, but you can't leave people in the dark. And EasyJet's app is great. Is very good. Yes. It's very good. Yeah. Boiling's app is horrendous. Although I do, <laughs> the, you know, people are always the, and I talk about this in my speech, my customer service speeches about Virgin America, that people are are the most unpredictable components of your experience. Of and everything. my EasyJet experience was, was, was great. I don't always have the best relationship with EasyJet, but I, I tempered my expectations and they got me there bang on time. We actually early, we left bang on time. The plane was new. The, the, the crew, both flight deck and cabin were, were friendly. The, the, um, the check-in uh, at the gate, staff were efficient and knowledgeable. So when an, a curveball came up with a passport issue or something, they knew exactly what to do. They would take somebody out of the queue to another desk and process them. While I was in the lounge at the North Terminal at four o'clock in the morning waiting for this flight, um, not really wanting to go into the Sauvignon Blanc like everybody else seemed to be, uh, <laughs> Right. There was a group sat next to me of middle-aged women 
six of them, and they were going to Pama. Mm-hmm. And they had they were all really excited. They I overheard them say that they'd been that it was two years in the making. And one of them went off to go get a, another glass of Sauvignon Blanc and came back ashen-faced and said, they're like, what's wrong? She said, our flight's been canceled. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know what to do. So they all said, oh, where else should we go? Where, where, well, let's all do it. We can all chip in and buy more, buy tickets to somewhere else instead. And I'll contact the Airbnb. And I was like, mm, 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 mm. wait, 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 wait. That's not how this works. They have to get you there. Yeah. They have to take That's care of everything. Yep. So all of this, any phone calls, any save your receipts. And I sat with them for like 45 minutes looking at all the options. And, and, but no one at the EasyJet gate had told them any of this. I think they probably would have eventually. But there are a lot of people whose lives are getting a lot more complicated and trips being destroyed. And they're losing a lot of money because they're, they don't understand how the system, system works. And it's, so it, was a, it was a fascinating and infuriating 24 hours. Experience, of course. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I mean, we've seen this. It's because there's always two sides, of course, of any story. But it's, 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 you, you feel of all the stories we've read over the news or some many actually that we've received, as I told you, I might mention a few um, from listeners that there's a bit of obscurification. What's the term? How do you say that in English? <laughs> they hide it as in, it, it's like, it's like, you remember during the pandemic and I know airlines needed to survive. I know we have a lot of people working at airlines listening to us or every time I take one side, I get like hate mail from the other side um, that, <laughs> You know, like for instance, BA kind of hiding the fact that you could get reimbursed in cash and that you could only get a voucher or even like making like dark, dark patterns on the website so that you couldn't find easily. We know Ryanair is a specialist in dark patterns on the website. So they were trying to, they, 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 some, some have been more specialized than others, but during the pandemic, they were trying to basically hoard money. So they were even selling you tickets that they knew they wouldn't fly. By the way, this is still happening uh, today. Some airlines are still selling you. They know they won't be able to operate, but they're still sending you. And to your point, they, I'm sometimes, okay, this is conspiracy theory, but maybe like, you know what, just hold off. Not Do not tell right away that they're all supposed to, we're supposed to get them there because some of them will forget. Some of them will find their own way. They'll, they'll never ask for uh, refunds and or you, the regulation, and they will, will get a lesser invoice basically so i I know it's maybe unfair i'm not saying that every airline employee does that i'm not saying that every airline management or airline itself does that but it feels like it's like a poker faces you know oh yeah let's see if these ladies you just mentioned oh they let let them go oh they go oh but they'll never ask and um i i i know it's a bit again i'm gonna get hate mail for that but it feels like there's a bit of a play like a chess game on that right um yeah a lot of people don't get the information and then they are uh, i don't know what to tell you and it's not going to get better i mean we'll get no that no and minutes, it's, and it's it, not going to get it better and i think at least the information piece you know what are you, what are you supposed to do i mean you, you get bombarded with information before the flight you please come early please have your documents please have your covid documents all the stuff mm-hmm. depending on the destination but then when you are actually at on at the gate or at the, in the departure lounge, wherever, 
you don't get a lot of stuff. No, You're, no, and, it's and, and all people automated. are not there. And yeah, it, nobody's there. Especially, I mean, an EasyJet's a different story because you know Gatwick is Fortress EasyJet, and so they have. Yeah, but the north, the south, not really, actually. No, the south, not really, and, and the north, absolutely. Voiling is not, and they have to rely on these ground yeah. uh, handling companies, which have don't, staff shortages. So that, yeah. that's why there's a. I cannot say there's one reason. We, we there's like multiple reasons why there's we end up in that chaos. Reasons. Yeah, but, but that chaos is kind of adds up. And I, I think in many instances, and I've, I you know, I, this is a mantra I learned from my father is that in many cases customers will judge you not necessarily on the problem itself, but on how you resolve it. Of course, and, always. You know, always. Voiling failed massively, but interestingly, flying back from Valencia. I flew on EasyJet, Greg flew back on BA, Finnair, actually, funnily enough. Um, Again. And and he he got a really sweet upgrade deal uh, in the app, or I actually emailed him, and so he took that and had the same experience. But I boarded the the flight back from Valencia to Gatwick. It was about uh, 9 o'clock at night, and sat down, very full flight, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting, and we pushed back away from the gate and didn't go anywhere we just parked because they said hey they just closed the runway at gatwick and we're Mm -hmm. trying to see if we get up 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 now we may just be able to sneak in before they before they close it so everybody sit down strap in we're going to push back start up the engines and then the captain comes back on and said we missed it and we're going to be here for another uh hour and 10 minutes sat here on the runway or on the taxiway. But then he says, I'm going to keep on the phone and see if there's anything that we can do and see if we can at least get down to the runway, get up in the air. You never know what'll happen. In the meantime, cockpit door is open. Come hang out. Oh, nice. Come sit in the, come, come see how, come and have a chat. So there was this queue of people, kids and parents and dorks like me who want, and, and everybody went up and they sat in the, and he came, the, the captain came up and sat uh, and made all the announcements from the front of the airplane. It was like a little bit of a party atmosphere. <laughs> Everybody was happy. They did a, they did a, like a water run. You know, I think we left end up being like 40 minutes uh, before we got up in the air. No one grumbled, no one unhappy. He said, thanks so much, everybody that came and, uh, and had a chat. It's always wonderful to do that. They, that, that delay was completely out of their hands. That was an operational thing that wasn't anything to do with them. But they handled it with grace. Yes, how you react. Dignity. Yeah, exactly. it was just night and day. Yeah. No, I, I was, agree. Yeah, I was impressed. And EasyJet have kind of won me back on that front. Yeah, I mean, I used I, I flew EasyJet to to Corsica, and it was a wonderful experience. You know, I went like it was one of these uh, super early morning flight five. No, I arrived at the airport at five ten. I think they there mm-hmm. because I I didn't know we're talking to here. It seems a lifetime ago with all the chaos, but the chaos was starting. We're talking about what three four weeks ago, whatever. And so I went like the first train four thirty in the morning um, to arrive at five, I arrive at five ten. Uh, there were also more limited trains at that point anyway, and um, it wasn't full as you mentioned. I had pre bought you know the 
EasyJet doesn't offer a fast track to... So they were at South Terminal, so it's a bit odd for EasyJet to be in, in the South Terminal because, as mm -hmm. you said, they're all uh, fortress north. Uh, but I enjoy the South Terminal, and especially you arrive at the South Terminal, you don't need to take that extra train to, to get yes. to the north or you're faster there. There was not a lot, it was not a lot of people, but I had pre-bought the... Um, you can buy, I think it was five quid or 10, I don't remember, the, the fast track security. Uh, yeah, it's five. It's I was like, you know, I I never know. We I've, I'm hearing all these stories. If I can get at least a little bit faster, I don't not miss my flight. But it ended up being actually fantastic. And the um, the terminal was buzz buzzing, so it was not like empty or whatever. But no, the massive crazy queues. Was it because it was one of the first flights to leave? I don't know. Of course, Weatherspoons. I think I mentioned that in the. A previous show where spoons was full of people having beers. I went to the Pret actually, just next door to to have a just a coffee. Um, so there, you didn't. It, it wasn't anything like what I described. No, there were queues, but not to the like a, a busy day. Yeah, nothing sure. that out of the ordinary for a busy day at Gatwick. So I was probably pre the wave of chaos that has started. Uh, now, it also, it was not the holidays, you know, no kids' holidays. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that also influences the number of people that appear at, at um, Gatwick, which is a very leisure, especially now that me, oh, most of the big ones are not flying there. Um, it's a very leisure um, airport for leisure destinations. Yeah. We uh, It was really funny because the flights, so the, the people say that the season... Bastia so Corsica starts in mid-June and I was going for that wedding as I told you guys like uh, it was um, just before that meaning that the it was a 320 was it a Neo I forget EasyJet and it was maybe 50 people in so it was really empty wow uh, lots lots of empty seats reduced crew so maybe that helped because they didn't have to because again that ratio passenger crew um, they actually you know to the point they had to Ask us not to move from our seats because of the load where they were, the seats were chosen before to balance the aircraft. So they were saying at the start, because you know, you see all these free seats, you're like, oh, I'm going to get a row for myself. Mm -hmm. They're like, please wait, not now, <laughs> mm. because we need to balance the aircraft for yeah. um, departure. Uh, it was, no, it was a really, honestly, I mean, I, you guys know I, I've always enjoyed EasyJet. I had like my six hours delays in the past. So I'm not saying here it's always perfect, but it was really, honestly, it worked. The uh, the, the 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 only thing I, I remember it was really cold in the aircraft, and I was like, yeah, you know, we're sta starting to talk about the 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 crisis, the energy crisis. It was like, uh, did you not pay your bills, or is it too ex too expensive? So you left just a, a window open for ventilation. It was like super cold, but whatever. I I, I like cold, so it was really fine. And uh, arriving in in Bastia, the one thing that was. Now it's changing, and we're seeing more and more countries, as expected, dropping uh, the COVID paper paperwork. Mm -hmm. uh, even though we're back in some 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 kind of small wave, so I still had to because we're not in the EU. I still had to, you know, uh, fill out the EU uh, pa passenger locator form. That they didn't care. They uh they they didn't they just simply didn't care. So you, you entered it. Although I had. To technically prove my status, vaccination status, and everything, they did did not care. Is it because it was a small airport? Uh, on the way out, interestingly, they did ask me for it, which is not because the UK doesn't care. Actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, I think even the guy. So, uh, yeah, it was really funny because probably the guy at the emerge at the immigration exit to from back to um, London was expecting, obviously, to have Brits. 
And you know, now they have to stamp your passport again if you are a British passport because you have to calculate the the, the 90 days, I think it's 90 days over eight, over 180 or something like that, mm -hmm. right? So you cannot overstay your um, yeah, make free stay if yep. you want, right? So you need, yep. yeah, I arrive with my Swiss passport, which we're not part of the EU, but we're part of Schengen, so we, we have agreements. So I don't have that limit. And the guy is like, he wants to stamp my passport. And I kind of tell him, no, you don't need to stamp. No, oh, hold on. He was looking for my entry stamp. I was like, uh -huh. I don't have one. He's like, how do you don't have one? I'm like, it's a Swiss passport. The guy was completely confused. I'm like, yes, I live in the UK, but it's a Swiss passport. I can stay as long as I want, work and do whatever I want in the EU. So you don't, he, oh, okay, sir. And he ended up not, uh, but, but he asked me for my on my app, does vaccination status. At that point, I said, you know what, whatever, take a look at it because like, I don't, he doesn't need it. Maybe he just wanted to do something. So to say I don't envy happen. those people having to understand no, no, the, the massive immigration matrix that is Europe. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, the, um, what I wanted to say, because there's one thing, look, I've taken, because I was not, I was not supposed to talk about that flight, but since we're talking no, about no, this, I'm looking I, at my I, notes. I, it's also interesting to compare. It was, uh, yeah, you know, it's a very tiny airport. So there was like probably one Air Corsica on the, when we left, uh, Air Corsica 319. They probably fly to mainland France. And there was an ATR as well from Air Corsica. And I was pretty much it. I, I've not seen any other uh, aircraft. I've seen ours, EasyJet, and that's, that's it. Hmm. Again, empty on the way back. Again, probably 50 people. The queue is tiny. Uh, it's really, the one thing that's funny is, and, and I get it, but because we're going to a French destination that happened on both flights during the uh, safety demo, because they expect French people, they play the track of the safety demo. And as you know, I French is my first language, so I understand French. The only thing is that they play it but they do not act upon it. So like, here's how you close your oh, no. seatbelt. But they don't do it. They actually wait for the track to finish with all the... Now the crew is showing you the lights in case of emergency. They don't do that. They just chat away in the front. And then when that the, the French track is, is finished, they come and they play the English track and then they do it. And you're like... Why did you do it in French? I knew maybe I don't know. Is, is it regulation? Maybe somebody can tell us. But yeah, yeah. if oh you don't God. show what you're supposed to show, like <laughs> here's how you're supposed to put your, uh, you know, your emergency. What's, what's the name? The 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 vest. Your life vest. Uh, yeah. And here's the light, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, well, not, they don't anyway. So, I guess that's a downside of not having like a video demo because they don't. Uh, the um, again, a great fight. I had gotten on both ends uh, because you mentioned the flight, the the app. So the app is fantastic. Honestly, it's very well done. I found I hadn't used EasyJet in four years, and. I wish more airlines were were bringing as much information. Mm -hmm. We're telling you the, the, you know, delays everything, gates. Yeah, where really your well. where your inbound plane is. Exactly, which yeah, in Europe that. we don't. You guys in the US have it, but we don't have that in Europe. When you your airline tells you where you're inbound, I use Flighty for that. Flighty app, I really love that app. But otherwise, there's no information. They do that, so you have like a wealth of information, and especially they know better than Flighty because operations like EasyJet, you don't know which, it's not because it's coming back from Bastia that's going to be the, your flight. You know, they, they, no. they crisscross Europe all the time, right? So super well done. But I had gotten a notification and an email uh, amongst 25 other emails reminding me to take my COVID pipe, the documentations, uh, uh, that there would not be food available on the yes, flight. Yes, I got the same one. 
And I, I was like, oh, okay. So anyway, you know, they're spread. I mean, I didn't have cues, and so I said, I bought a sandwich just in case. Actually, what I, I mean, maybe it's the same for you. First, I think there's uh, there's uh, short shortages of staff, which means a shortage of crew. But there's all so and the crew is less, so it doesn't maybe have time because it's a they make money out of sending you like overpriced sandwich, you know. So it's really not great yeah, that yeah. they don't have. But what I've heard is that there's not enough crew, sorry, staff to fill the aircraft on very short turns. So they'd rather not do it than actually uh, having to do and maybe you know uh, having to potentially have to wait because there's no staff at that point to actually fill the aircraft. You still have the coffee and the tea and yeah. uh, all the snacks, everything that's basically long-term storage yeah. is fine. That's everything. exactly what they said on both of my flights. There were a little bit more detailed on the flight back. They said that it's a supply chain issue at Gatwick. So yeah, there's not enough people well. to get the food onto the airplanes. Yeah. Okay. So, or even produce them. I mean, it's, 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 that's the crazy situation that we find ourselves in. It's not isolated to the airline industry. Yeah, it's everything. It's logistics, which is just attached to oh, every facet of our lives. So even if you have enough cabin crew to distribute food, you don't have enough people to load the food or even make the food. Yeah. It's it's extraordinary. And uh, so I, I was, you know... On the way back, they said the same thing. They said we have a, we have shortages at, at Gatwick, so we couldn't actually board, uh, take any food on when we came here. Uh, but on the way in, I didn't heard, I hadn't heard this, so I was like, because there were fifty people, like maybe it doesn't make sense for them to do it. To but actually, they make money, so they still because you know people still defaulted to uh, coffee and tea and whatever snacks and crisps and, and other and other stuff. So they still made some money, I guess. The uh, and then we'll move on because nothing to report. The flights were really great. Both of them I really enjoyed. I was also, I took, you know, speedy boarding, which nowadays includes, so, so, so you probably had the same. So I didn't, because again, I hadn't taken them in like three or four years. There's a, the tickets, there are two types. If you take a normal ticket, you don't, you don't have the room to put your luggage on the overhead bin. You only have uh, on the seat in front of you if you want an overhead bin you can pay for it but if you take speedy boarding which gives you extra leg room in the front then you automatically get overhead which makes sense for front one by the way because you could put your but you get a, a bigger sized luggage which is yeah. great actually it's i, I had it was very interesting because you know how enthusiastic i am about getting on the airplane i like to be like one yeah. of the first people on there same both my EasyJet flight, I was the last person, if or if not along the last five people to get on, because the product is the same. Um, I didn't want to wait in the massive queues. I didn't need to pay for speedy boarding. There was no benefit for me to okay. get on the plane early. However, bins. To, yeah, if you, because I only had, a, I was only, I went for a day. I okay, got yeah. there at 10 a.m. and I flew back at eight o'clock that night, and I just had my backpack. If I had had an overhead bin, if I needed to put something in the overhead bin, I would have been pushing people out of the way, old ladies, <laughs> yeah, to get in the front of the queue, because it they are rammed, absolutely rammed. Which means probably that people are paying for them because now they have to pay for them. So I actually ended up. How I, did that work, I was though? going to a wedding. So I said, I yeah, needed, and I was officiating the wedding. So, and it was an all white wedding. So I said, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to buy a uh, hold luggage. At that time, it was not risky. Nowadays, I would not buy any more, any hold luggage because, so I'm, I'm, I canceled the stuff in Poland that I was telling you about a few episodes ago. So it's not happening. 
But in August, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to fly and I'm strongly hesitating because I'm flying long haul. I'm like, if I have to wait 12 hours or five days to get my luggage back on the way back, I mean, that was a wedding that was different. I, I couldn't just put all the stuff, you know, you need your no. shoes and whatever. And I was like, I don't want everything to be a... Uh, but so I said, oh, and there were, but there were no issues at that time reported of, I'm a few. Now it's on your own risk. If you want to, if you want to put something in the hold, you, your luggage might end up like in somewhere like in, I don't know, in Bogota or something, right? It's just How like does that work? How does the, the EasyJet system work though? How do they know if you've paid for? So I paid at the very, so I am. So I so first of all I paid when I when I so you, as long as you're not at the airport you can still upgrade basically you can pay for a whole luggage and you can choose actually 15 kilos or 23 kilos so if you don't need a lot you can pay a little bit less and it's uh, it's which is not bad actually 23 kilos uh, is yeah yeah uh, so 23 is the usual but 15 if you have like not a lot of stuff why not right and um I re I saw on the you know the Apple Wallet uh, boarding pass, there were two little you know above the QR code there were two little signs. I don't know what they mean. Maybe it's one is speedy boarding and one is hold luggage. I I couldn't really make out what they. One seems to be a little human, and <laughs> the other I've, I forgot, and I don't think I have it here in front of me. Uh, I mean, of course, the systems know because yeah, because when I. Sorry, guys, we're talking only EasyJet right now. When you get to 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 Gatwick, you get to the AutoTag uh, system. So you basically arrive, you queue, and you put your own... So you scan your passport or put your uh, boarding number, I think, whatever, and it gives you the tag, which you put on your own luggage, which is actually weighted in front of you, and then it goes on the belt by itself. Yeah, There's no someone... I saying that it works well, but actually they have to have four staff because most people just don't know how to do it or make a mistake and take too much time to do it. So at the end of the at the end of the day, you're wondering is that really useful not to have desks mm -hmm. because they still have to hire people to do it. People are still not used to uh, tag your own luggage and put the little barcode at the right point and then mm -hmm. you know then wrap the stuff around. So they were yeah. So I, I guess that's how they know. But uh, the boarding pass probably tells a bit more. I don't know. But also, like, and I guess that's the thing I'm thinking about is the when you board the airplane, are they looking at what you have and if it's tagged? Ah, you mean yeah? I, I guess I've seen so in in London again. This flight, fifty people, maybe they didn't care, couldn't care less. Mm -hmm. uh, I've rarely remembered out of many times flying EasyJet, mostly from Gatwick for me because I live south of the river um they never were that harsh however i remember easyjet in um, madrid madrid, madrid they were, yeah but also once in valencia actually because Militant. valencia was when i flew from with easyjet i had a five hour delay because of an operational issue the flight didn't come whatever they were so harsh the guys who had uh, the guy had a tape measure and it was going to every, it was a bit rude as well. It was going to every single bag. And I'd, you know, I had one of these bags that, that is not a square. So it's hard to kind of, uh, is it within the limits or not? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. So it depends. I guess your, it's, uh, your mileage may vary. It depends on maybe on the load of the flights and the culture of the airport you're flying from, I guess, or something. Because in the UK, and, uh, Gatwick, in Gatwick, I never had 
like I've never seen because usually my luggage is within regulations, whatever, but I've never seen like, you know, tensions because of this. Yeah. Whereas in Spain, in Italy, I've seen that all the time. People arguing about the size of the luggage, are the wheels part of the luggage or not, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's just like, but yeah, so but but was, I, I, those were fantastic flights. Uh, Gatwick was working really well on the on the way back. You know, Gatwick is. Uh, I I would say uh, I'll do Pakistan another time, but that was my second time. I bought an Apple AirTag, mm -hmm. and I put it in my my whole luggage. So I did that for Pakistan, and I did that because mostly because it's fun. Now I'll say, having done that, I'm not sure actually I like it. Oh. Because at the beginning, I was like, yeah, I can track my luggage, which in a, if it's chaos like it is right now, you could maybe see where the luggage actually is and not what the, the airline tells you where it is. Like, oh, it's, it's still in, let's say, Corsica or something. Mm -hmm. But during my both my flights, I ended up having more anxiety because I was like, where's my, where's my luggage? I was trying, like, I shouldn't check too often. But, you know, you're like uh, about to depart. And like, where's my luggage? And then sometimes it takes yeah. a little bit of time to kind of refresh Same, tell, yeah. Yeah. and i don't know i think is it not better to just like okay i'm giving it i'm giving it to the guy or to the, to the woman at the start forget about it let's see what happens when i land mm -hmm. instead of like being always like uh at my doha connection it was like where is it oh it's interesting he's going there and there so it's, uh, as a nav geek it was fun but i was a bit more anxious i think i think I've, you know, I've read stories lately about people having the same situation where they've been told that the bag never arrived, but the air tag is showing them it's just uh, over there. I have put them in my um, my my carry on bag because I know that I'll set it down somewhere. Or, or, or that works well because it tells you immediately uh, <clears throat> you left it behind. Yeah, you yeah you get a notification on your phone that you that you left it behind. It's almost a little bit too vigilant, but I I have one whenever I travel with my bike. I have one in the bike case. Okay, that's, that's and I, clever. I remember once going into San Francisco. I'm probably told the story where I I couldn't find it. I had come from the U.S. I was it was a domestic flight. I'd come from Boston back to San Francisco, and my bike never appeared. It never appeared. Never never appeared. And I'm like. They're like, oh, we don't know where it is. I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you, it's on the other side of that wall. And then <laughs> had right come there. off the flight and gone into the international customs oh. bit, which was on the other side yeah. of the wall. So somebody had to go and get it, but no one else could find it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, the, no, I think it's they're usable. pretty useful. I'm not saying I'm not, I, I will keep using it. I was just feeling that I had a little bit more anxiety. There were some, is it Delta that have it built in? Yes. Maybe some of the American airlines. They do, they do tell you where it is. Yes. I don't know how accurate it is, but they do. I guess they track every time you, the, the barcode goes through some happens, point. Something happens, yeah. Yeah, which is... Why yeah, wouldn't it's, you? It's, it's, good. A, it's a good idea. Actually, uh, sorry, actually, um, uh, Qatar, again, it's not today's story, but Qatar was sending me a text and a notification. Your luggage has been boarded to the flight and your luggage has been transferred to the other. I said, well, so it's, cool. it's very reassuring. I guess that's enough. I don't need to know. I mean, I thought it was fun to see where it stand because, you know, I had one of these 12-hour layover. Mm. So I was like, where does oh, it stay? <laughs> where does it stay? Me. So it kind of moves around a bit at the beginning. I guess they put in like some longer holding pattern and then it comes back. It's fun to see, to be honest. It is. Uh, yeah. Uh, the one last thing about, because, okay, I... Uh, yeah, I don't. I I, mm -hmm. I, I want to say it because it's fun, but I don't want anyone to th to think that I'm uh, mocking, but I am a little bit because we, on the way back with EasyJet, uh, we are you know taxiing, then we are at the gate, 
And um, I see the, um, again, in one, I think in one half at that point, I see both of the, uh, the flight attendant uh, looking at each other. Where, where, were the, where did we fly from today? Um, and I guess because they need to tell, you know, when they open the door, they need to tell the, the, the dispatcher. Um, and they're like, uh, oh, yeah, 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 France. And uh, they, say, no, no. they say, oh, yeah, Corsica. And then they try to say Bastia, and they couldn't say it. Ba How do you say ba Bastia? Bastia? And I wanted to intervene. It's like, no, Bastia, that's enough. And they were like, for 30 seconds, until then, that's good. I'm like, okay, what? The dispatcher opens the door. I mean, they open the door. The dispatcher's like, where you come from? And they look at each other and said, uh, Corsica, where is that? Is that Italy or France? And I'm like, I'm laughing at that point. I'm like, <laughs> and the, the dispatcher is, and I'm, you know, because I'm uh, at that point, I'm right behind, ready to exit. And the dispatcher looks at me and says, is that Italy or is it France? I like, it's France, but it's disputed. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go to a little bit. We have a little bit of time to uh, what people send us. Um, oh, actually, yeah. uh, oh, Dan, very interested. You're, you're, you, you met Dan Gare said, uh, my own average welling performance is seven hours delay with two crew changes. Jeez. Uh, fairly safe to say I won't be using uh, uh, again. I, I get it. I get it. Uh, I, uh, I get it. We, we received so many. I will, I will say, uh, I will not mention too, too many first because it's not fun to talk about chaos all the time, but also, and also because we want to go to some news about the chaos itself. But mm -hmm. one I liked, it was from uh, Arlie Wheeler, AC. W third on Instagram. Uh, the reason I liked it is because I like his philosophy. So he was, he was in Amsterdam. He had a direct flight home. Uh, I don't know where home is. I know it's in the US. I th is it Ohio, man? I don't know. Uh, Arlie, you have to tell me um, which, where is home. But anyway, it was in Europe, so Amsterdam, which we know had a lot of chaos. Mm. Uh, and uh, the route that he was given, it, because his flight was canceled, it was a reroute to Manchester, then to GFK. So as you no, Manchester is also having issues. So it was like going from Amsterdam with chaos to and Manchester with fight, chaos. And into the so um, Amsterdam, he had security lines out the door that took almost three hours. Uh, <laughs> three hours. He said the business class was slightly better, actually. Um, and then in, uh, in Manchester, he was put on Virgin, Virgin Atlantic. And he says, yikes, um, take off three hours late, lost my Remoa Monster Aluminum, I've tried four different ways to talk to a human about it, but I couldn't. Automated responses only via WhatsApp, SMS, email, Twitter. Two weeks later, got a human. The suitcase returned the next day damaged. <laughs> <laughs> but then, and that's a good part, he says, I was mad for a couple of days, then I realized that after being cooped up for two years like everyone else, I got to visit London and Amsterdam with my cool suitcase and fly business class on some great airline. And for him, it was only his third business class experience. And just be a traveler again. A person couldn't have picked two worse airports on earth to fly through that week. But, you know, I still consider my, these are champagne problems. I still consider myself lucky. Uh, that's exactly that, man. I mean, at the end of the day, and I had the same discussion with Elizabeth. You know her, yeah. uh, I don't forget yeah, now. Or, or Twitter handle because she changed it. Uh, one of our listeners, you know, yes, it's chaotic, but it's nice to remember that we're still lucky to be able to do it. Yeah. 
and that we don't have to don't have to uh, to stay to stay home. One thing he added, however, about uh, because I love the way he described it about Manchester, like uh, that place is awful, and I received hum. Let's just say a spirited frisking pat down by a security lady who I may now be dating. I'm not sure. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh dear. Well, welcome to Manchester, man. Uh, Alexandra at Avi Alex, uh, also Amsterdam. Amsterdam seems to, was the trend? A lot of people mentioned Amsterdam having issues. Uh, the, she sent me a picture of the line outside of the airport. It was more than five hours to get there. Five hours? Five hours to enter. She said, we ended up just saying F you and we took a train the next day. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this before. And then, same Alexandra tells me she's in Malmö, so she's in Sweden, and uh, all the trains were cancelled when she was landing. So basically, it's everywhere. It's 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 madness. It's I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Is uh, I've I've heard that Norway. Who was it? Uh, Michael Lepa. That says there are strikes in Norway. If you if you have strikes in Norway, we never hear about strikes in Norway. Honestly, no. there might be strikes everywhere in the world. There's no way. <laughs> I mean, and maybe you're coming on to this, but SAS have yeah. filed for bankruptcy because the they, um, they're, is it their Norwegian or their Swedish pilots association? Yeah, no, there's industrial said, action. Is it the Swedish? I don't know. There's I massive industrial remember. action. And they yeah. said, I think we'd rather restructure than actually have to go through. So they only, they only went to chapter 11 in the US. So it's US based operations are being restructured. I don't know what's mm -hmm. going on in Europe, I guess. I don't know, but well, I mean, financially, who knows? But operationally, that's got to be some some disruptions ahead. What a strange time to be alive! Yeah. So EasyJet has decided to cancel since we were talking about eleven thousand flights this summer. Uh, actually, I've heard, and that's the story. I don't know if you heard about this because it didn't happen on my flight. Probably have, hasn't happened on, on yours, but because of the, the the they are removing seats from some aircraft. So they are doing that. That's what I hear. Guys, if, you, if anybody works at EasyJet, I've heard that from multiple sources, but I don't know because I've not seen it with my own eyes. And I cannot verify that because that would mean, you know, if you have less seats, you can have less crew flying the aircraft and yeah. then it's just makes, you know. But, I mean, they've obviously done the maths and figured out yeah. that, that it's worth it. Doing. Yeah, I know. I just, and the, have you seen the EasyJet, the chief operating officer just left as well. <laughs> Yes, just quit. He was ex Ryanair, wasn't he? Well, yeah, yeah. Ex Ryanair. Ryanair were saying that um, they were so amazing and well run. Well, they're going on strikes in Spain, Belgium, France, Italy, Portugal. Um, so there you go. Volatea is going on strike in Italy in Crewlink, which I had never heard about. Apparently, it's an um, Italian also outlet. Malta Air, Sa uh, SAS, as we just mentioned. Uh, um, Norway, so we just said there's rumor of strikes in Switzerland as well, which never happened. And the BA strike. So the BA strike could be partially off. We don't know. We heard that yesterday. Yeah, there was a sprinkle of that. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, uh, of course, all these strikes are timed with the start of the school holiday. Which, oh, yeah. Well, so 16,000 workers at BA were supposed to go on strike. And 700 uh, checking staff were also planning to walk out. Uh, and apparently as well, that was for later this July, the avi aviation fuel services at Heathrow were, are going on strike for three days. Usually strikes affect short haul, long haul are prioritized. But if you have aviation fuel services, you are now refueling long haul flights. I don't know how they 
leave Heathrowland. <laughs> that will that will bring the whole thing to its knees. Yeah, they'll probably actually negotiate. There's no way you can not having any. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not the full operation. Maybe they'll have like a skeletal operation. But I don't know, man. It's just uh, so. But what? All that said, what is interesting is that what I didn't know, maybe you knew, is that the um, you remember during COVID there was um, these. Um, so airlines have to keep flying the slots to keep them. And during yes. COVID, there were there were a rule holiday. They said, you know, you don't have to do it anymore because otherwise, obviously, all the airlines would have lost their slots and would have never worked. They reinstated that rule, at least in the UK. I don't know the situation in other in other countries. And Ethro, because they realized the chaos is just above everything, they just relaxed that rule. They said, okay, fine, you don't have to fly your slots. Will not if you don't fly them, you will not lose them. And exactly the same days, probably they negotiated that. Uh, that's when BA announced that they are uh, canceling uh, God knows how many more flights that they were already right. canceling. I think they already had like 200 or 300, I think they're like in the thousands now that will affect more than 100,000 travelers during the summer. But that's probably because they they probably knew they couldn't do it, but they were afraid that if they were to cancel, announce the cancellation, they would lose, lose a slot. So there's a bit of a... But yeah, I hope you're not going to get affected, man. I mean, you're going to. I, I don't think so. I, mean, I fly on Monday, and I think that we touch with BA. What do you? But I th- where do you fly to this time? Saturday? This well, San Jose. Um, you say that, which too. I haven't done, and it, that one is a little riskier. The, the, so far, it's it's fine, and I think yeah. if it had been a planned cancellation, we would have already been told because it's within seven days. Whether I come back ever is a different question, but. Uh, yeah, the um, the uh, but you'd be happy because I know you've never liked this um, um, passenger duty, whatever, um, and all the taxes. I think was it wasn't Ether ordered to cut their charges, passenger I charges? Think, yeah, and they were astronomical. Yeah, they're super high. But so I don't know what I mean. It's good news for the press of the tickets. I don't know if it's good news for Ethro, but I, I have no idea, man. Well, they're not getting their third runway, so they've got a little bit of money to play with. Is Although it canceled? I, Do you think? It's, I, I think it's what a, indefinite hiatus is the euphemism. But Gatwick are in the middle of a six-week consultation on a second runway at the moment, right? The, the right one now. that the existing one, the one that is. or another the, one? No, there'd be another one. I think it's on. It'll be on. The, it would be on the north side of the airfield. Yeah, because uh, that's another, the existing one is too close. They cannot. I mean, they, yeah, they're using now. They both you're using both, but they cannot use them both at the same time. No, no, it's not like San Francisco, which even then is a little bit uh, dicey sometimes. Okay. Um, yeah, talking about dicey, it's so dicey at uh, at uh, Heathrow that even Iberia, Iberia I, has decided not to contract BA for ground handling anymore. So when you have your own cousins of IAG that are basically stabbing you in the back. It means this room must be really bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't and I see you. that BA op- have just hired the CEO, former COO and MD of KLM. Is I don't know that. what, I didn't know that, but I don't know what to yeah. think about it. I mean, KLM is really efficiently run, but to the, to the cost of not being as premium as others, I mean, their business class, I mean, now they're, they're changing the business class, they have a better seats, but it's not, to me, it's not Air France, it's not BA, I'm not, not even talking about the Asian ones, right? Mm. So, and BA really wants to keep being premium? I don't know. I don't know, man. 
if that role is purely on dispatch reliability and yeah, scheduling and all of that, then it, it may, it may be a, a genius move, but if it's, as you know, my first experience, and I think in flyer talk in the BA section of flyer talk, people were like, they're not exactly great themselves <laughs> and they don't have a great relationship with the unions, which a COO would be responsible yeah. for, partially responsible for. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, there's some, some good signs because, I mean, uh, we, we've heard that the government finally here, I mean, is there a government, but um, has decided to, I mean, no, has decided, has implemented rules to fast track all the security, so the terror, the terror checks, so anti-terror checks and uh, the security for um, working at airports. And uh, they are actually more than halving the process or something. So I think over time it will lead to probably a bit more people getting back into being able to work at airports us not maybe not this summer i don't know how fast they can actually solve that these bottlenecks by i guess that by the end of the summer because there'll be less people traveling because school will be back again i said that in the previous episode it will be a little bit better but i've uh, i don't know there's there's a it's funny how some airline uh bosses are are questioning why chefs or ballet dancer have a let's say, let's call it a Brexit reprieval, so they can get people from abroad, but themselves cannot. Um, yeah. As soon as I mentioned Brexit, I mean, Michael O'Leary said it, it's the biggest disaster in, in uh, British aviation history. I don't know if he's right or not, but... Um, <laughs> would you consider, Alex, let, let's pretend that on Monday you, you learn that it's a huge mess of baggage handling and there's a risk that you don't get your luggage with you. Would you consider shipping it? Yeah. Uh, yes. In fact, I've, I've I've used services like that very recently. Okay. Yeah. Because I've heard a lot of a lot of uh, acquaintances of mine are thinking about even for long haul. They say, I don't want to bother with it. I know it's going to be there at my destination. And now you have like shipments I deliver to your hotel and everything. So yeah. Why not? Yeah. When Megan moved over here, she brought some of her stuff, and we used a service door to door service, and it was great. It, it showed up exactly when it was supposed to. It wasn't that expensive. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, I've never done it, but I would um, maybe depending on the, the travel I'm supposed to do. I'm, it's not it's not inked or anything, but I'm going back to Pakistan. Oh, that's <laughs> so, exciting! Yeah, might be going back to Pakistan. Will I trust actually getting my luggage shipped to Pakistan? I'm not sure. Mm. And I don't say that, guys. In Pakistan, you'll see. I'll, I'll do an episode about Pakistan, which will be very nice towards you. But that mm, I'm not sure. I've been. Talking um, about faraway places, South Africa, Comair is dead. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, what, what a strange environment, aviation environment, South Africa is. Yeah. I, know, I, my, my dad could talk about it for hours, but it's <laughs> what a, I mean, South African Airways was a, is a financial and logistical disaster. Uh -huh. And then Comair, which owned and operated Kalula as well, which were two of the big sh domestic and short haul airlines. I've experienced both of them. They're both of fine. Fine, that you would. Yeah, there would <laughs> be nothing to write home about. It was always weird to see a 737 in BA colors, in modern BA colors, but it was cool because they were a, yeah. what do they call them? A franchisee of BA. Yep, exactly. It's a franchise agreement, exactly. So that's then, probably dead because we heard that Comair was entering some kind of chapter 11, the equivalent in South Africa, 
But now they entered liquidation, which means it's over. That's it. And they kept having fines by their civil aviation authority for safety issues and all manner of both of them, uh, Kalula and uh, and um, Comair. And now they're they're done for. And so it's Safair, right? That's left. Safair. And South African Airways and a, a subsidiary of South African Airways as well. Kobus is the guy. Yeah, Kobus. I was this. about to say Kobus. Now that you're back from your huge travel yeah, around Europe, Odyssey I'm so jealous. <laughs> and so, please tell us what's the situation with airlines in in South Africa, because um, I think it's SAA Airlink is the subsidiary, which is I, I think they use like ERJs and and stuff like okay. that, but. The, the choice, let alone the availability in South Africa, has gone down dramatically. And I don't think we'll ever see again, because I don't see BA going into any other type of JV franchise with anyone. We'll not see the colors of BA in South Africa anymore. I mean, I've not seen them personally. You have. But uh, BA has, first of all, they have other problems to solve before yeah. trying to find a new... <laughs> new franchise or system in whether or not iag as a group invest in something down there is another matter but yeah, maybe even then who knows who who'd want to run an airline right now <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well there's uh there's always a few a few crazy people that always well, you know yeah, try that's true so, i think you have yeah, to be crazy so why, to run an airline the the word that the travel industry doesn't want to say because they don't want to jinx it is covid um i mean we're not in by far, not in March 2020. I, and even I hesitate to say it because, uh, not because I'm, I'm afraid of saying it, but every time I mentioned on this show, I'm going to get some hate mail, actual hate mail of like, yeah, no, no, it's BS, whatever. Now, there is a wave clearly in Europe. It's not killing thousands or whatever. So we're not here, I you know, do you. not mistake. We're not in March 2020, not even 2021. However, it's 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 affecting because not a lot of airlines want to say it, but but Lufthansa has come out and said that they are canceling flights because of infections at staff that has worsened the absenteeism. Again, if you're just out of commission for three days when you have already staff shortages or five days, whatever that is, it's making things worse. And Aer Lingus is doing is having the same the same issue. Uh, I know the airline doesn't airlines don't want to use that word because they're like this is in the past. We don't want to forget about it. Forget it. It's not happening. But we know it's happening. Yeah. So yeah, uh, let's see where that goes. I don't think it's going to be dramatic, but let's not pretend it's not there either. <laughs> No, and I think, you know, it does weird. I couldn't hear you for a second, but uh, I, I, it, it's not the deadliness, as you said, of the March 2020 situation. It's just the impact of having people who are testing positive and, and, and don't want to leave the house or just feeling like hot garbage. Yeah, hot garbage. I mean, I have so many friends of mine who have it. I had it very light. And friends of mine, uh, late, yeah, yes, this morning, a friend of mine, she's 28 in Brussels, and she's like, Bedridden again. It's not dangerous, but you, it's, you're not at work or not function. You don't function for a few days. Alex is having. Um, I think he's maybe run out of battery with his AirPod on his uh, left here, so or right here. I don't know which direction no, the camera is. Weird. I don't know what was going on there, but yeah. so you're, you're he's, he could, back. He could, <laughs> going back to the cans. He's back. Freaking back AirPod. for the last twenty minutes. Freaking technology. Because I have a hard. Whilst he's actually doing the levels on his on his headphones, I have a hard stop because my my fiber engineer yeah, you're, you're at two p.m. will cut the line I off. I thought that's what was happening is that it was like, and then you would just disappear into the ether. Oh, so are they? No, they haven't cut my line yet. It's uh, I think I have twenty two minutes before they do. We need to uh, something like that. I think they will ring the door before they do because I told them at two p.m. you can 
because again, I was they were supposed to do it all day, and then I said, I have something to record. I need my fiber. <laughs> Can you come after? And after two, and I tipped them, so they went for lunch. So they, <laughs> this is how I operate. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, so it's still there. Uh, well, let's see. It's not. It's not dramatic. It's. I mean, it is for certain people. It is more, but it is. It's a big bother. Even me. I was. I was not out of commission, but I was slower, and then I was fatigued for two, three weeks. I know it's not a big deal compared to what it was in other illnesses. It is still in a, in a time of star sh- staff shortages. Is not yeah. good news. Let's hope it doesn't get worse than this. And especially for those who keep kept saying it's seasonal, I didn't know there were twenty five seasons in a year because <laughs> it's always a new season. A random all, anyway. All, yeah, armchair epidemiologists. And and yeah, exactly, armchair epidemiologists. The um, the airlines also one. I think did we mention last time? Because a friend of mine told me that after the the episode, I don't forget. Was it Paolo? I forgot who told me that that uh, they were. Um, the airlines are reducing training requirements for pilots and training requirements for staff because they don't have enough people to train them and because they still want to fast track them. So basically there's a whole, again, the domino effect here. Or they, they want people, and I get it, right? It's like finding that right balance. I'm not saying I'm happy when I hear about uh, reducing training requirements. I'm not sure it's something I want to hear. But at the same time, they have maybe no choice. I don't know. I, I, yeah, and I, I don't know if we're, we're able to talk about it, but we mentioned in the last episode about some of those U.S. airlines switching the FAA part on when, under which they operate so right. they can they can uh, do exactly what you're just describing. And um, L.A. Flyer messaged us privately, which is why I'm hesitant to bring up this, the exact details, but he basically confirmed what we were saying, that some airlines, and it's perfectly legal, it's, it's about number of uh, passengers and size of airplanes and things like that, but that a lot of the big airlines are looking at this model that airlines like um, Jet Suite X, we were just referred to themselves now as JSX, are using. So it's, I don't think there's any safety implications. It's, uh, the U.S. is the, is the safest uh, aviation market statistically in the world still um, behind or just uh, ahead of, of China in the, in the EU. So I don't think there's any safety implications. It's just an interesting way of operating. Yeah, of course. It is. No, it is. Uh, and yeah, because the situation in the U.S., I think, was it June or May? I think Delta had canceled more flights that they had canceled in the entirety of 2019 or something. So yeah. it's, it's happening in the U.S. as well. These oh, big, my uh, gosh. Yeah, you still see the pictures. And- slight different dynamics in the U.S. that we have here. Uh, Canada seems closer than the dynamic that we have in Europe. We've heard horror stories in Canada with luggages, you know, staying at airports for like two weeks and not mm-hmm. being delivered and or flights never taking off and people being stranded on runways. So it seems the stories I've heard in Canada, yeah, guys, I know I've, I have not into Canada. It's not our, our very similar to Europe. The ones in the US probably because it's a single market and very big, it's, it's a bit different because probably also airlines, there's, there's less airlines, there's, there's been more consolidation. So there's maybe more buffer into the system a bit, but it's still a mess. It's yeah. honestly, it's a, and the TS, TSA, I think, was it the other day? Like a week ago? Not even a few days ago. We, as, as um, uh, you know, the, 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 the they announced the number of people they screened per day, and they said for the first time, I think it was, yeah, it was July 1st, it was exactly a week ago, they had screened almost the same number of people as on February 2020, so just wow. before the start of the pandemic. So basically, in terms of the number of passengers in the airports, it's the same, but there's all the issues of staff shortages and et cetera. So it's not, 
not uh, not great, which are, is not surprising are, that we have price increases. Price yeah, increases. And, and these are macroeconomic issues at play as well. So it's not like they're going to be solved overnight either. They're global macroeconomic causes that you can't. If just you want, I'll spend a minute too. Okay, let me put my hat, my hat, more professional hat, because there's a big shift that you mentioned here that nobody wants to mention, or maybe people don't see. Um, we're making less babies. Right, and uh, so the U.S. is a bit different because it's more of an immigration market than than Europe. But uh, we're making less. We so in Germany to take a big example in 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 Europe because it's, it's the largest country in Europe. There were like in the '60s, people were doing twice the amount of babies or children that they are doing now. So these people that have worked all their lives are going into retirement. So they're disappearing from the workforce. And there's simply there's half people coming for the same jobs. And we, you and me, and maybe many of our pe the people listening, I don't know because I don't have a breakdown, we're white collars in a way. So we, we work in front of computers. We could work from home when, we're, when COVID happened. There was a lot of stuff that is more comfortable uh, for us. And, and uh, we've seen all these trends of work-life balance and companies yeah. fighting for talent and all this stuff that we've been talking, not on this podcast, but if you've heard, if you're a part of that not type that. of workforce, that you basically, if you're a talent, the companies are making every effort possible to make you happy because they want to retain you. Yeah. The thing is, is that is starting to show at the blue collar level. So the people that are doing the baggage handling and all this, it's not only that during COVID, they decided because they were laid off, they decided to go to work for Amazon at fulfillment centers. And now they don't want to come back because maybe at Amazon, they don't have to work un under the rain in the middle of the night and they can do basically the same amount of money. It's simply that overall, and this is why coming to your point, it won't get solved overnight. There's not enough people. There won't be enough people to actually, unless we open the gates to immigration, which is another debate that we know right now in Europe is not a fun debate to be had in, in the US either in all the let's say, Western countries, there's not enough people. And so not only company, you can see the reactions of old companies. So let's say a Swiss sport, I don't know them. So it's, it's a theoretical example. It used to be that if you and me, Alex, were like baggage handlers at Swiss sport and we don't show up on time three days in a row, we're fired. Mm -hmm. and that's it. And there's going to be 200 other guys and, or women wanted to take the job because there was always enough people. Now they're starting to have to act as if Paul and Alex, the baggage handlers, are important Perhaps. employees that they actually yeah. have to care about and to have to pay for. And so the economics of paying the lowest possible for baggage handling, I took that example, but there's many others in the airline industry and in other industries, you know, automaking and whatever, all the, the, all the factories you can think of. Well, they have, will have to, do, to undergo a very similar uh, change that happened to white colors because they will need to, keep, to attract them and to keep them. Whereas, so the, the power dynamics between the owners, and I took Swiss Sport is maybe unfair because I don't know their situation. So guys at Swiss Sports, I love you. The owners at Swiss Sport used to maybe have a dynamic of like, yeah, we're, we decide all, all the rules. If you're not happy, leave. Whereas now they're like, shit, we need people. There's staff shortages. Well, you're not going to come if we don't pay you not enough. And uh, so the entire economics of flying might also change. So the, 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 the price increase is not temporary because of, 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 of uh, staff shortages post-COVID because of the restart of the industry. It's also absolutely uh, f uh, fundamental in how our economies work. I don't think we'll get out of this the same way. We might actually have to pay everything more. Because yeah. they, they won't be able to hire, I think, a price. Uh, there was an Atlantic article the other day. I don't have it in front of me when I want to talk about it. But there's 
I think a baggage handler at Milwaukee Airport makes $19 an hour and a fulfillment center, Amazon fulfillment center also in the area makes 50 cents more or something. So already there's, that's what I mentioned earlier, there's, there's a tension. But if there's not enough people, at some point these prices will have to, I mean, that's how economics works. I mean, if you yeah. don't find someone, you need to pay them to come, right? Yeah, uh, or you no, can absolutely. automate your way out to a certain extent that will happen and we're seeing. But at some point, I think this is the big thing, the big um, the big shift. Sorry, because it's um, I'm taking a bit more professor hat when I talk. No, about it's, I think it's a very important but it's huge. It's a huge uh, transition that we are undergoing, and uh, and I don't. I don't know. Maybe no more super low cost workers. I mean, I, I don't know where it's going to, to going to go. Uh, but there is there's clearly uh, companies are currently forget COVID losing and blue colors. I'm talking. They're losing twice as many people as there are new joiners in the market, and that's a reality. COVID or not, pandemic or not, airlines or not. And so, what do you do? I don't know what we're gonna do, right? <laughs> so. Uh, I'm going to close this parenthesis, but I think it's going to go on for much longer than uh, than we see. Oh, me too. We think. Me yeah. too. Years. Then we think. So sorry for that, guys. It was. Uh, but uh, I think price will increase. Actually, was it uh, O'Leary that said? He uh, said, uh, currently, I don't know if it's an average or medium price of 40 euros of, uh, a ticket, and he sees that going to 60 over the next five years, just because of these fundamental changes. And yeah, I mean. It's still affordable, but it's still a massive, uh, yeah. um, some some increase, right? I don't know. And and you, I remember I told you I sent you the uh, I sent you the article that uh, uh, Emirates expects uh, was expecting um, a price rise this summer of eighty percent. Eighty percent, unbelievable. <laughs> because there's no there's not seats are limited. There's no supply, yeah. so people want to travel. It's crazy. I, I don't want to travel this summer. I'm going to maybe for work, but I I, I don't want to. Yeah, what is um, time? Look, I let's let's close this for the last ten minutes. Instead of going, I was wanted to talk about Lufthansa because Lufthansa lost their five star status at Skytrax. Mm. But I think it depends a bit longer for discussion because, of course, yes. were there ever a five star? I don't know. So I'll I will do that next time. You'll probably be in the US and we'll see when next time is. So let's uh, finish uh, with some news about aircraft because it's interesting. Since I was talking about uh, Dubai, you said yourself, and I checked the story since, and he repeated it since that Tim Clark wants a bigger Airbus. There was a, a, an air show in Doha or something. Mm -hmm. I forgot the name of the air show. And he just said uh, that uh, basically he wants uh, some, he says the 350 1000 is not big enough. He wants a big one, so I'm I'm wondering should uh, should Airbus come up with a A three ninety with two engines or something or like a I don't know because uh, where, where are they going to go? Like they're going to do a A three fifty two thousand? Is is that even feasible? I, I I don't know. It's going to be something that competes with the triple seven X, isn't X, it? Whenever it comes, out, yeah, well, yeah, exactly, yeah. So uh, yeah. maybe he wants a A. A three seventy seven. So basically, it's a tiny, smaller A three eighty, but with two engines. Figure it out, Airbus. Right. So, uh, <laughs> the everybody. You know, when we mentioned the three eighty last time, everybody sends me send us messages about three eighty is back, three eighty is back. It is back, actually. You yeah. can fly it. Uh, where is it? Uh, I had uh, I had written down a few. B of course, Emirates of course, but Qatar, as I Qatar said, Lufthansa. Back, yeah. They'll be out of Munich, not Frankfurt. I'm very happy. <laughs> uh, Korean, 
is uh, yep. Ukraine will be flying the 3T to Tokyo. Do they know mm. something we don't? That's interesting. I think, you know, the Japanese are, are able to travel without restrictions if you're a resident. So probably when oh, I was living there, wow. Seoul is a very popular destination. So you just go for the weekend. Seoul, Maybe Jeju, that's yeah, yeah. ASEAN is also putting the 380 back, but I didn't realize, weren't ASEAN and Korean merging? Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought that was a done deal. Yeah, me too. So I'm, 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 Or are they operating as separate for a little bit? I don't know. Hmm, that's I, weird. I don't know. But anyway, so it's, 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 it's back. Um, the uh, Steve Tao at Mileage Runner on um, Twitter asked us a question, so I want to hear your answer, Alex. Given the choice, would you fly BA's A380 Lifelight Cots or the 777 Club Suits? Suites, oh, sorry. Club Suite every single time. Really? I f I, are we talking about the, the, yeah, the yin and the yang? old yin yang. I hate those things. <laughs> I hate so, those things. So for you, it would be more the matter of the, the seat than the aircraft. You would not go out or you oh, wait to, to fly the 380. No, not, any, not anymore. I, think, I mean, I love the 777. I think it's a great airplane. I think the only benefit to the old yin and yang... I know, actually, I can't think of one. <laughs> I can't think of one. I really like the club switch. I think it's a very, yeah, it's, very it's good, good product. product. Yeah, it's a good product. I said, I said as a reply cheekily that uh, I would fly the 350 club suites, but that mm -hmm. was not his question, obviously. So I cannot look, uh, Steve. I will say so. I love the 380, and I will still try to get out on out of my way to fly the 380. But I agree with Alex. This seat is not great. However, and I've done it. Remember when I flew. Uh, Hong Kong to, Lon to London, where we did uh, Hack Horizon, that hackathon in the air that I did like in 2017. God, time flies. There's 59K. That was my seat. But I think the other on the other side probably is 59A. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also 53. Look at the, the seat map. There are these seats that are... So you're looking backwards, if that doesn't bother you. But because they are against the bulkhead wall of yes. for the next section, you have your own ale axis, which yes. you don't have to go over the feet of someone else. So you still have that weird window in between and you look at your fellow passenger, which <laughs> Alex is shaking his hands, his head. But I would say that I would consider this if I want really to fly the 380 with BA in your question, Steve. Because and there's also one in the lower deck, but I will I will always favor the upper deck on the 380 for some Me reason. Too. I prefer quieter, it. quieter, and they also have like these big fat um, storage units. Storage, in the yeah, with the curved yeah, so fuselage. Cool. Um, but yeah, so Steve, that's my answer. Probably if you were to choose a 380, I don't know if it's an actual flight he's looking into. 59, I think 53, the at the very end, so both windows and. There's a row in below, just look it up when you have your own. But Alex is right. Overall, the club's, club suites is, is, is better. Uh, yeah, so it's I, a good product. I haven't, I've only experienced it twice now, but I, uh, who knows if I'll ever get to do it again, but we'll see. Of course you will. Of who course knows? you will. Let's be optimistic and say that's yes. Exactly. Let's be optimistic. What else? Uh, let's do all these. I had written a few more notes, but I want to finish it with, uh, what could we take as a story for the end? Ah, yeah. Have you read, you probably read about it, the hit and run of uh, 
All'Italia, Ita, a JFK? Yeah, I listened to the, uh, the air traffic control audio. There's a phenomenal channel on YouTube that does reconstructions. They use yes. the radar graphics and then they use yes. the, um, it's called Real ATC. There's a few, oh no, VAS Aviation, VAS Aviation. Uh, and they, they did it. It's super interesting. Uh, so I think that, so ch- I think both were, so the ITA, because that was an ITA cargo, so it's not passenger. Probably they were parked to each other, maybe you know better than me, but I know that, well, I've heard the ATC and it says, I've written this down. This is Air France 008. We are on stand nine, and there was an Alitalia passing behind us that hit our aircraft. It, it's so you can tell them not to take off. Then I don't know what happens because he's probably babbling away because the ITA, Alitalia flight, ends up actually taking off. And that's the other thing I've wrote. For New York Tower is, is talking to um, ITA. It says, uh, another aircraft on the ground currently, Air France, said you hit them or something of that nature while you were taxiing. Did you experience any damage to the aircraft? And the ITA uh, captain, I guess, answered, Negative, sir. And that was it. Not bothered. They flew to room. And oops, when they landed, they actually had that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people were quite critical of the New York air traffic controller for not not yeah, fully understanding and not taking the, this seriously and stopping the, okay. uh, the the rollout. But yeah, what a, what a weird situation. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. Well, I love the fact that a lot of people will call it a hit and run because it's, yeah. it's, like, <laughs> it's very Italian. I've been, I've been, sorry, guys. Sorry, my friends. I've been driven in Naples. So I've been, if, you, uh, if you've never done it, Alex, I, I, I mean, do it. Uh, I mean, it's impossible not to have scratches on your car because it's like a, it's a fight to the death. <laughs> Get in front of, uh, well, you know, when there's like a, a red light, which don't mean anything because every, everybody runs them, but... On the on the, the front line, which is like a Formula One pole position, and there's maybe three lines. There's like 22 cars because everybody wants to go first, and you're like, "What am do? What am I doing here?" And then it's it's fantastic. So it's probably that's what the, this this uh, the captain of that Ita flight is probably from Naples. Oh my god, a lot of cliches, not politically correct. People will hate me for saying that. <laughs> uh, to finish, what did you think of Valencia Airport? Can you tell us a few words? That, that will be the airport of the day because why not? Yeah, I can't remember if I described it in the last episode at all, but it's 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 fine. It's uh, it's one of it's <laughs> just it's like so many other Spanish airports. It's open and efficient and clean, not heavy on the amenities or anything like that. Big two-story, if not three-story windows overlooking the the airfield, which of course I love. And I think maybe we did talk about this because I talked about the abandoned seven forty-seven. Oh, that's yeah. been there since. Anyone actually reacted on that? Uh, let me see my notes. If uh, keep talking, I'll take yeah, a second if somebody talked about. On the other side of the air- airfield, there's an abandoned 747-200 that's been sitting there since 2000. Oh yeah, you mentioned with, with the bills. We mentioned the that. Yeah, with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I always get a kick out of seeing that airplane uh, and wanting to know how I can make it mine. But it's it's a good little airport, and what's lovely about it is that if you take off in the right direction, which in the I've landed and taken off in the same direction uh, on every trip I've been there. You fly right alongside the city, and if you're on the left-hand side of the airplane, you get a beautiful view of the city. You go out over the ocean, turn left. This is if you're coming back to the UK. Uh, and fly along the coast mm-hmm. with the city and then over the Pyrenees. It's a yeah. it's beautiful, a beautiful flight. Agreed. So that, yeah, the airport is is uh, is great. It's so close to the city, it's always a bonus. I think it's, you know, 20 minutes on the metro, 15 minutes in a cab. 
So it's a, it's a, it's a great little airport. We've never had to wait. I always seem to blag my way into the premium security line. I think Greg took me last time. Well, the previous time we were in business class, but um, there's a, a single lounge which caters to all of the everyone, uh, yeah. all of the airlines, every, and priority pass, and so and it's it's fine. <laughs> I've been here forever, man. I don't I don't half remember it. For some reason, for me, Val- Valencia, and again, it was a really long time. I've been. I I I, and I'm not talking about the airport. I'm talking about the city. I'm thinking Calatrava because of you know these uh, the science museum or whatever it's mm. called. Now you have the same guys in New York. You have the uh, World Trade Center, metro station, subway station, whatever. It's similar style because that's yeah. the style. Or in Lisbon, you have the bridge. But um, I don't remember the airport at all. So meaning it's probably didn't strike me as something special. Not good or not bad as well. So I think yeah, when, exactly. You don't remember an airport, way. and it's not actually a bad thing. But yeah, I, I liked it. It's one of those airports where it's utterly forgettable for all the right reasons. <laughs> Other than the abandoned 747, which is just which is just strange. Definition forgettable for the right reasons. Yeah, I oh, wow. I, I I like that. We should use that more often for all these airports. That's that my Tinder bio. Ah. Okay, one last comment from uh, because you were talking about seven. It just triggered that memory. Uh, Noah Shearer at, at Noah F Shearer on uh, Twitter. Uh, said that Lufthansa, since I, cre- I just, uh, this is a teaser for next time. Next time, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Pakistan, at some point, Lufthansa, I want to talk about their five star becoming four star. But Lufthansa, not to criticize them all the time, um, he's telling us, Noah Shirt, that Lufthansa is flying a 744 because he wanted to know how to fly a 744 yes. from uh, Boston, Frankfurt, and I guess the other way. Although in the summer, Although some days they will sub it for the 748. So if you want a 744, mm. that's a chance. I still have not done a 748. Yeah, but this, I mean, I've done both. I've done um, Lufthansa and uh, both. There's more than that, but the other, I think it's Chinese and uh, Cor- Korean. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's, um, it's, <laughs> it's like midway. It's a more modern one and I really enjoy it, but let's not kid ourselves. It's not a Dreamliner and or uh, a True 50. But it's right. great. I, I wish there were more than these. But I mean, I guess maybe we'll fall in love with the triple seven X. So, guys, to, to you know about that, uh, see you in twenty twenty eight episode of layovers <laughs> when that aircraft's coming. <laughs> okay, Alex, uh, it's two, so my fiber uh, engineers will come knocking down <laughs> my line. So I have to stop. Happy flying to the U.S. Are you? Thank you uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Yeah. We're not sure if we're going to record you there because I also want you to enjoy your vacation. So let's see if we can make it happen oh, or I'm not. Sure we can. That's, yeah, yeah. But, and guys, I hope we didn't have too much drift this time. I'll discover that. Oh, by the way, this might be released tomorrow, Saturday, the 9th, because of course I won't have fiber. I won't have internet to actually upload it. God knows for how long. So I might not be able to upload it to today. So. Um, Again, thank you very much, Alex. The music, the end. How? Oh, where is it? Every time I don't find it, here it is. I really should rearrange the buttons on for you know to call these musics because they're completely <laughs> random. So I never know which one is what. That makes it more exciting. I can play multiple at the same time. I could replay Genkana. I could replay the the the, 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 <laughs> the music from the start. Yeah, I'm happy that Lufthansa has lost his uh, five-star because it was a scandal they had. In, yeah, uh, I was going to say, flight. I don't think they ever really were five-star. You know what? It's, for us, it means we have to fly to Asia to, five, uh, to fly a five-star now. That's fine no, with me once we else. can get in. No one else. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, guys, thank you very, very much. See you next time. Happy Safe. playing, Alex. Safe travels, guys. And there we go.